Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's going well. I am in the Smokies this week on vacation with the family. So we've uh, had a great time here in the uh, the Pigeon Forge area, been doing Dollywood, walked a lot, uh, really enjoying our, our time here and, and having a good time. The kids are enjoying it, so it's, it's been a good week. Nice. That's great. Uh, our kids were at Dollywood this summer and just absolutely loved it. They were with grandparents and cousins and uh, absolutely loved it. So I, we're, I'm going to have to get over there soon. Yep. And you're headed to Nashville for a conference this weekend as well. So uh, I know you're excited about that. So it's it, you know, been a, a week of travels for both of us. And uh, it's good that we could find the time to, to get together and, and uh, record the episode this week because we've got a lot of news coming at them this week. Yeah, uh, it's it's amazing. Um, we we go into weeks and think, oh, probably nothing is going to surface, and then just tons of stuff comes out. Lots of things happening. Yep. All right. Before we get into that, I want to thank our sponsor. This week's episode is sponsored, as always, by the Billy Graham School of Missions, Evangelism, and Ministry at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Whether you're preparing to plant or revitalize churches in North America, or to take the gospel to places where Christ is not yet known, the Billy Graham School is committed to training the next generation of Great Commission leaders. Learn more about the Billy Graham School's MDiv, DMIN, or other degree programs by visiting sbts.edu slash bgs. Again, that is sbts.edu slash bgs. Be sure to check out those uh, the new apologetics uh, MDiv they have over there, as well as I, I know that I was talking to Dr. Greenwood this week. They've got a, a bunch of modular THM programs over there as well. So a lot wow. going on at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And uh, one note on that. Last week, we had the president of uh, Southern, Dr. Albert Moeller, on the podcast. Had a great article on the Baptist News website this week about that interview. So we'll link to that. Go check that out. Read the article and uh, check out the interview from last week. Yeah, that was neat to, uh, to see that surface and uh, kind of almost weird. You're like, oh, okay. Story was done on our conversation here. Yeah, so uh, it, it's good that it's uh, getting to, to, reach, to reach a lot of people. Yep. Thanks, Bob Allen, for listening. And uh, we appreciate that. But let's jump into the news for this week. Amy, it's the end of the budget year. You know what that means? Um, cooperative program. Yep. CP ended the fiscal year 4.31% over the annual goal. Um, so, you know, we did, we cover this every month, but this is the, the one where we don't just say, here's where we are projecting for the month. We actually get to see where we end up after a year. We ended $8.14 million over the budgeted goal and $1.41 million over last year's uh, CP gifts. Yeah, which is good because a lot of this will be going on to disaster relief. We talked about that, the uh, the overage from IMB going on to international disaster relief, uh, mostly in the Caribbean, as well as the uh, $1.25 million going straight to NAM uh, that will help in disaster relief from Hurricanes uh, Maria, Hurricane Irma, and Hurricane Harvey. And actually, there's another one in the Gulf, Amy, don't look now. Yeah, I just saw that this morning. And actually, next week, I'm headed not far from that region. Um, so definitely keeping an eye on that. Yep. This year's CP total was the highest since 2009, when we had $199.8 million that came in in 2009. So thank you to churches and uh, members yes. for giving through the cooperative program. We really appreciate that. And I know that uh, we are excited about things to come. Next year's budget is $192 million, just uh, slightly above the 188 that was this year. So uh, we, we had a good budget year this year. Hopefully another good budget year to CP uh, for CP giving in the future. 
Uh, also, Amy, a couple of housekeeping notes about the SBC annual meeting. The Dallas Hotel registration opened on Sunday morning. I uh, sent the uh, link out about that, so you can get your rooms now. Uh, I, I've got mine already. I've, I've seen the receipt. It came in my email Sunday morning. Uh, but you can get your rooms now for Dallas 2018. Yeah, and... uh you know, this is this is one of those things that's important to go ahead and do it. And, you know, if something happens and your plans change, um, the cancellation, you know, can can happen. But go ahead and do it now. Get it on your calendar. Get your uh, your spot set um, because that just helps to plan even more. I mean, we uh, I, I know, Jonathan, you and I are hoping to see um more messengers this year than last year and the year before. I mean, we really want to see, uh, 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 we want to see us getting back up closer to five digits and not just yep, four. 10, and so, in Dallas, 10,000 in Dallas. Come on. Yes. We're going to keep pushing for it. We may not get there, but we're going to keep pushing. And I mean, that starts today. It starts with making your travel plans. And uh, so you can do it by reserving your room. There are tons of uh, spots. You can do it online, all within walking distance of the convention center. Yep. And I'm not saying that I am personally invested in 10,000 in uh, 2018 in Dallas, but a certain seminary president will owe me a stake if we have 10,000 people. So um, hopefully that, that'll happen. I, I'm Hoping for that. Good luck with that. Yeah. So we'll see about that. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, there's another article. Uh, we've Something we've mentioned a few times, I think mostly on Twitter, and I think we've touched on it here on the podcast, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, a group that uh, broke away from the SBC in the uh, midst of the conservative resurgence in the early 90s. Uh, they had a governing board meeting this past week in Decatur, Georgia, and are talking about uh, the possible third way uh, a term that's been used by some evangelicals to describe a policy of allowing individuals within an organization to hold a varying perspectives on same-sex marriage. Uh, so they're possible talking of a third way uh, for hiring at the CBF uh, headquarters as well as for missionary appointments. Yeah, and this is something that I, I wasn't completely surprised to see. We've seen this conversation developing yeah. over the last uh, few years. So it seemed like this conversation um, was on its way. Uh, it de- you know it the story does indicate you know a lot of uh, there are people who are really concerned about division over this uh, because this has been a very uh, th- this has been an issue that's divided a lot of denominational bodies as they've discussed how to uh, how to deal with this issue but certainly something um, something to watch and I saw a lot of stories about this popping up over the last week. Uh, so uh, I'll be I'll be intrigued to see where this goes. Yeah, this comes at the conclusion of a report from a six-member Illumination Project Committee. Uh, they didn't present any specific recommendations, but uh, it seems to be setting the, uh, the groundwork for a positive stance on homosexuality from the CBF. It's important to, uh, to note this in the SBC because of two main areas, duly aligned churches, duly aligned state conventions. Uh, there's a state convention in Virginia and Texas to be specific, uh, the BGAV and the BGCT, which are kind of duly aligned. The BGCT we've seen moving, uh, kind of further away from the CBF in the past year or so. Uh, that's something to, that we've noted here on the podcast, uh, but still a host of duly aligned churches. So, uh, the decision that the CBF makes on this will probably impact those as well as sure. state conventions and then as well as national entities because of the funding mechanisms that go through to state conventions. We'll have to keep an eye on this and uh, see if there are any other uh, determinations made by the CBF and uh, their leadership. So 
uh, just something to watch. Amy, uh, another week of kind of sadness. We've talked about uh, some disasters and uh, natural disasters in the, the Gulf area because of the hurricanes recently. This week, uh, a mass shooting in Las Vegas at a concert Sunday night. Just a, a very horrific scene and just uh, heartbreaking at the same time. Yeah, this this was tough. And it took me a little while um, on Monday when when I woke up and I saw something about it on Twitter and it, w- the terrible part about it is when you see that you, we've started having breaking news like this so much that you're just like, Oh, okay, what's happened now? There's another, you know, shooting. And then to turn on the news and see the magnitude of this situation, that was really difficult. Took a little while just to let it sink in. And, um, I, I struggled with just trying to figure out how to even process it. And then I just kind of had to feel sad for a while about it. Uh, but there've been, been a lot of, uh, good, you know, helpful articles, just thinking through it, reacting to it. Um, but, uh, you know, one one thing that is really coming up, and we've got a, a story from Baptist Press about this, uh, is just we have a lot of pastors, we have a lot of churches in Las Vegas, yep. and they're figuring out how to um, how to how to minister during this time. Yeah, Vance Pittman, a well-known pastor in the Las Vegas area, to many of our listeners, uh, has, has been he and his church, uh, Hope Church, have been really uh, stepping it up this week, as well as uh, the churches that were mentioned in here. Shadow Hills, Highland Hills, and Foothills Baptist Churches uh, also mentioned in this article. So uh, our SBC churches really stepping up, uh, helping their neighbors in uh, this time out in Las Vegas. And uh, just, uh, just a tough, tough story coming out of there. And uh, we're, our prayers are with them and the families of the victims. Yeah, and on that note, you know, one of the, one of the victims, um, Sonny Melton, and actually his story's been profiled a lot. I think his wife actually had an interview on maybe the Today Show um, just talking about him. Uh, he's a, a graduate of, of Union University, um, was a, yeah. a, a nursing graduate from, uh, graduated in 2015. So, you know, not that long ago, there's probably, I guess there's still students on campus that would have known him, been yeah. friends with him, professors and faculty. And, um, and he he died uh, actually really taking care of his wife, getting his getting trying to get his wife out of there. And uh, so that's you know something that's hit close to home. A West Tennessee resident who was living in uh, Las Vegas, working there. Um, so it, it has affected a lot of people um, in the Southern Baptist world in a lot of different ways. And speaking of Union, John Netland, the Dean of the College of Arts and Sciences at Union University, has been named the university's provost. Uh, he joined the faculty in 2008 as a chairman of the English department and uh, was named the Dean of Arts and Sciences in 2013. So congratulations to uh, John Netland and everybody over there at Union University on uh, his appointment as provost. Excellent. All right, uh, Amy, up to Missouri a uh, judge has ruled in favor of the Missouri Baptist Convention in the uh, two cases involving the Baptist Missouri Baptist Home and the Missouri Baptist University. This is uh, very similar to what we saw in a ruling that involved the Missouri Baptist Foundation earlier in 2016. So uh, they used basically the precedent set by the uh, Supreme Court decision in Missouri. The, the decision really mirrors the result of the Missouri Baptist Foundation case that the Missouri Supreme Court resolved in September 2016 involving a consent clause. Over the past 15 years, this has been going on. Amy, we've talked about it. Uh, This may be the final decision that we see in this uh, legal battle that's been going on between these five entities in Missouri. 
and the Missouri Baptist Convention. Uh, the, they have until November the 6th to uh, offer an appeal. Uh, it's unclear at this time whether the Missouri Baptist University or Missouri Baptist Home uh, will do so. All right. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on that story uh, for sure. Yeah. And then down at New Orleans, they are celebrating 20 years of women's ministry. Yeah, this is kind of a cool story. So there was a presentation in chapel uh, just a, a, a couple weeks ago to honor uh, Rhonda Kelly, the wife of President Chuck Kelly, uh, for what she's done in the program there. And they established, um, uh, they announced a scholarship in her name that uh, would go to benefit women in academics. So uh, this is kind of exciting, 20 years of a women's ministry program there. And we've seen a few stories recently about women's ministry in the SBC. And women in, in leadership. Yeah, and uh, we just had, there was just a, a story we'll link to it from, was it last week? I can't remember. Four it was in the, ago, the report the report to the executive committee from Southwestern talking about uh, the growth of their women's programs and their enrollment uh, with uh, their enrollment of female students and what all they're doing there. Uh, we talked last week about our announcement of our new assistant dean of students for women, Missy Branch, and and some of the things that are going on here. So just in a few weeks, uh, highlighting several things that are happening in our seminaries uh, to educate women. And that's just an exciting thing. So it is exciting, Amy. And I know you guys at Southeastern are, are kind of doing a lot for women, especially when we, we talked about earlier, you know, the, uh, the Dallas convention and the annual meeting, and you guys are probably going to have your, your women's leadership breakfast again. So, uh, you know, that's something that's been growing over the past few years. We've seen more and more offerings for women. We talk about that whenever we do our annual meeting preview episodes. So uh, that that's something that's encouraging, I know, for you as a woman in the SBC and for many women like yourself. All right, moving down to Jacksonville, Florida, Mac Brunson and Heath Lambert have been named co-pastors at First Baptist Jacksonville. Mac Brunson uh, has been the longtime pastor there, has been there since 2006. Uh, Lambert has uh, been there on staff for the past a year and a half or so. He came in January 2016. But uh, First Baptist Jacksonville, Amy, is uh, no stranger to co-pastors. I remember we had uh, Jerry Vines and Homer Lindsay uh, back in the 80s and 90s down at right. First Baptist Jacksonville. So, uh, you know, they're familiar with this. I've seen some people ask questions, and, and the answers a lot have been, hey, if anybody knows how this works, it's First Baptist Jacksonville. They, yep. they kind of pioneered the model, and uh, here they are again uh, with Mac Brunson and Heath Lambert. All right, Amy, it's the fall, so that means state, state convention. conventions. That's right. So we have our first two. We talked about it last week. Dakotas, we didn't have the uh, the info until after we had recorded last week, but the Dakotas are the first in the nation. It's kind of like Iowa, I guess. That is a really funny analogy. I did not even understand where you were going there when you mentioned Iowa. I didn't Iowa. when I started it. but you uh, know. When you said it's kind of like Iowa, I thought it's kind of like the Dakotas. Yeah. And that's that I don't even understand. But you mean in a cycle, they're the first ones. So yes. we look to the Dakotas. Yes, there we go. So, um, so uh, this happened September 21 and 22 in uh, Pierre, South Dakota. The theme was building up the body of Christ together, revitalizing our churches. They had uh, about 110 people were there. So uh, covering 37 churches, there are 89 churches in the Dakotas convention. So they had about 37 of the churches represented, included a pastor's conference. They had um, Frank Page there as a, a guest speaker, along with some some others. So this was a, a great kickoff. Yep. And they also increased their uh, budget 2% from last year up to $479,000 and have increased their cooperative program giving 
uh, 1.5%. So uh, they're up to 26% split. Uh, it's it's really tough for a lot of these. I know we talked a lot about 50-50, but we got to remember these uh, state conventions that are out uh, and have very small budgets, very small staffs, very small conventions. I mean, we're only talking 89 churches, the entire convention. Right. We've got associations with two or three or four times that down here in the South. So um, right. that's across two just states. A different, so it's a, just, yeah, a it's different just a different model. So when we talk about these splits from uh, some of these northern states and western states, uh, just keep that in mind. So also uh, reelected as officers of the Dakota Baptist Convention. All the officers from last year were reelected. That includes President Steve Ford, Vice President Jonathan Land, Recording Secretary Ernie Nelson, and Assistant Recording Secretary Karen Holmes. And uh, then we had one more moving up to the northeast. Yep, New York Baptist Messengers. Uh, increased their giving to the SBC for the third year in a row and amended the convention's constitution to affirm the biblical definitions of marriage and gender. So a constitutional amendment, I mean, that's kind of a big... Yeah, that's big, a huge deal. That's a big, yeah, that was a big part of their business for sure. Uh, the first one was dealing with definition, um, and then the second one was dealing with uh, cooperation, so yeah. how, how churches are, are assessed to be in cooperation or, or not. They also, in addition to that, which is kind of a big, uh, a, a big motion there, they adopted their 2018 budget of $2,431,500, a 17% increase from uh, the current year. That's, that's a that, big 17%. jump. That's really large. Yeah, that is massive. So congratulations up there. Uh, they're anticipating $780,000 in cooperative program giving from New York churches and uh, some money from NAM and LifeWay as well. So uh, that's kind of how the funding model works up there. They're going to forward on 29% of those CP receipts, up from 28.5% last year. Their officers also were reelected. Paul Flores as president, vice president Dan Schlamo, recording secretary Van McCain, and assistant secretary Matt Evans. And our, our good friend Kevin Smith was one of the keynote speakers up there. Uh, Bill Towns from the yeah. executive committee was over there as well as Sandy Wisdom Martin from the WMU. So so a good meeting, I'm sure, up in New York. Yes, uh, very cool. And uh, I guess this means these are going to be uh, the wave of, of stories over the next couple of months. Um, and as I think you promised last week, you're yep. going to start keeping track so that we don't, yeah, right. so that we don't start leaving people, so we don't leave people out. And you declare that all the state conventions have happened, and Wait, then the you next declared week, them too. Ear pops a state that we we didn't catch. It wasn't so we're, just me. Uh, we're not going to offend any states and leave them out this year, um, but uh, looking forward to seeing what, because that's a reflection of convention life, just uh, sort of our ecosystem um, in, uh, in motion. And uh, so state convention times, I think, are an important thing for us to see how these cooperating bodies work at that level. Yep. So if the Dakotas were Iowa, did that make New York, New Hampshire? Am I tracking this right? Yeah, well done. Yeah, there. Okay. And Super yeah. Tuesday will be that one week in November that they have like yes. fifteen of them in the South. They're like everybody at once, and we just hope that there's no other story in the SBC that week because it's just so full. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, we'll keep it on that. All right. Speaking of Iowa, Amy, we had an opportunity to sit down with Jeff Dodge at the ERLC National Conference a few weeks ago. He's the pastor at Cornerstone. Uh, church in Ames, Iowa, also involved in the SALT Network, uh, which is a big college ministry church planting effort in the Midwest. Fascinating discussion. Uh, one of the best kept secrets, I think, in the SPC, and we're, we're trying to remedy that, no longer be a secret in the SPC. What these guys are doing with college ministry across college campuses in the Midwest at these big, big 10 schools is amazing. 
Uh, so here's our interview with Jeff Dodge. All right, joining us this week on SBC This Week is Jeff Dodge. He's the lead pastor at Cornerstone Church in Ames, Iowa, and also involved in the Salt Company, a collegiate ministry on the campus of Iowa State University. And uh, Jeff's passion is to reach next-generation leaders to establish churches in university communities throughout the Midwest. He's doing that through uh, what they've done at Salt Company, kind of branching out. So thanks for joining us this week. Yeah, glad to be here. Thank you. We're here at the ERLC National Conference of Panelists, so mm-hmm. I'll be talking about that. We've, we've got a parenting theme this year. Tell us uh, right. about your panel and uh, what you'll be talking about. Right. So uh, our church is, is though it's strongly influenced by the university, we, we put university students on the front of the bus. We, we are there really to reach Iowa State University students, but uh, we're a multi-generational church. So most of our church family is actually non-university students. Um, we're all there to reach those university students, but we've got multi-generational families all over the place. So, so the panel is actually on the family and the use of technology and, uh, how, how do we rein that in at times? How should we be thinking about that? And so, yeah, my panel's actually not so much about the university stuff, but just our families and how they're encountering technology. Now you mentioned Cornerstone Church. I've uh, been there since 1996, a little right. over 20 years now. Mm-hmm really seen that grow and and boom and in an area that's not your traditional right. SBC area. So, right. so tell us a little bit about you know, yeah. your journey there and, and what you've seen and how God has moved. Yeah. So yeah, when you think about Southern Baptist, we're south of Minnesota. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> so uh, the the name, the culture of Southern Baptist actually doesn't have much traction in Iowa. So most people aren't that aware really of our denominational background. We're starting to make that uh, more visible for everybody because uh, we're more and more excited about the partnerships that we're having here at the ERLC. We've been thrilled with the help that Dr. Moore and the ERLC have been given, giving us. Um, university centers tend to be kind of the nerve center for culture. And so a lot of the things that are breaking out into culture begin or are fomented a lot at the university. And so having the ERLC help us navigate some of those uh, tough waters has been just super. Uh, but also the North American Mission Board is coming alongside us as we've established now the SALT Network, which is um, a means by which we're planting churches at other university communities around the Midwest and, and further. Uh, so like this fall, we're starting at Penn State and then the University of Minnesota up in Minneapolis. Next year, we'll be in Madison and in Lawrence, Kansas. And uh, and so the partnerships that we're being able to to form ha- have just been tremendous. We're very grateful for the Southern Baptists. So how, how have you done that? Because a lot of people who listen to the podcast are just kind of at all levels. Some are at, at uh, Southern Baptist churches that have been around forever and ever. Uh, some are newer church plants. How have you, maybe having people come who don't know much about the mm-hmm. Southern Baptist Convention, don't really know about the cooperative efforts, mm-hmm. how do you help people to know as you begin in mm-hmm. these partnerships uh, with, like you said, the ERLC, NAM, others, mm-hmm. how do you help your members to know a little bit more about this cooperate, right. cooperation that we're doing? Right, yeah. I think it just comes on all sorts of fronts. It's a little bit more organic. In other words, we don't suddenly you know, throw the... SBC banner up front and and do something like that. It's more, uh, for instance, we have a school of theology that we've been able to develop. We're geographically quite a ways from a solid Bible teaching Orthodox seminary. So Midwestern Seminary in Kansas City has partnered with us. Uh, we have an extension campus for them. And so um, all of our students go through, they get a fully accredited 
Master of Arts degree through Midwestern, but they take all their classes right there at, at Cornerstone. So all of those students and all the audit students and all those scores of people that take advantage of that hear about Midwestern. And now Midwestern's coming up this fall to to do one of their uh, for the church conferences in, Great, in yeah. Ames. And so different things like that. The IMB were very involved uh, in sending students, especially or recent graduates overseas. And uh, so I'm just saying like every time we sure. uh, partner with right. one of the branches of the Southern Baptist, we let that be known. Right. And that's a great that's a great opportunity because what we're really doing is saying we can do more together than we can do apart. Absolutely. And there are so many different ways. So every time you can call, you know, draw attention to that. That's yep. good. Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. Now let's talk about Salt Network a little bit. Church planning on college campuses, kind of a, a different paradigm than what we've seen uh, with college ministry in the past. And if, everywhere we kind of look, I mean, with you guys at, at SALT, uh, Brian Fry over in Columbus and Ohio State, uh, that area, I mean, these are really starting to take off, especially in those big, big Midwest, you know, Big Ten, Big 12 type schools uh, that we're seeing this take off at. Is that something that, you know, we should be looking for and not just in those geographic areas, but across the nation? Yes, simple answer yes yes uh well here's the deal i think for too long the church has uh run from the university um that's not historically been true in fact if you look at any almost any major university they are almost completely circled by churches mostly mainline churches who got there originally in order to reach those university campuses they've got Baptist and Catholic and Lutheran and everybody is just circling these campuses uh, because they understood these are the future leaders of our of our culture of our people of our nation and so they were there very strategically but over the generations they have fled and I think it's because a it's a lot of work uh, those university students um, have a lot of time on their hands so it's a staff heavy kind of operation to pull off. Uh, they're messy. They're often activists. You know, I mean, it's a, it's it's a difficult place to be culturally. It's a difficult place for the church to be. And so, what we've just seen is this flight, especially evangelical churches, away. Now, in response to that, the parachurch organization has responded, and we're grateful, right? So, yeah, Crusade, yeah, yep, Navigators, yep. University, they they've all uh, jumped in. I think to make up the gap where the church was actually neglecting its duty to take the gospel to these university centers. What we're trying to say is grateful for anybody on those campuses reaching people for Christ with the gospel. What we believe is that the local church has the primary responsibility. They steward the gospel, and so they need to be on the front line. So what we're doing is saying we need to establish again local churches at those university centers in those communities and they need to see a multi-generational church. Because if you're leaning too heavily on um, a parachurch model, once you get out of college, that experience is like being in a fraternity or a sorority or any other kind of club. All, all of a sudden, all you've known is peers, other 18 to 24-ish year olds. They need to see that walking with Jesus looks like something when you're 30 and 40 and 50 and beyond, and what it looks like to raise your children in that and to settle into your vocation and find you know a Christ fulfilling life <clears throat> beyond the university. So we're we're just crazy serious about establishing multi generational churches in university centers. Now tell us just kind of the story of the Salt Company and and what you guys have seen in Iowa. Yeah, so that's our our own story. Kind of mirrors what I'm describing. So 
it was a traditional Southern Baptist work. Uh, a man, Jack Owens, came up from Oklahoma to start a collegiate work, cooperating with the other Baptist churches around to to start what what, what back then uh, was a uh, just a Baptist ministry, right? But not involved in any one local church. So then they gravitated toward one of the local churches, their names, but then uh, the students kind of overtook the place, (laughs) kind of became the tail wagging the dog. And so they decided, let's just start a whole new church that, that will focus on that. So, so what I'm saying is our own history has kind of informed us as to one, have grace with all sorts of models because we've basically done all those models at some point in our own history uh, but also then to say, I think, I think there's a better way and what God graciously just led us to do bit by bit, year by year. Now what we're saying is, um, we think we've got a model that's reproducible and, uh, not that again, we figured it out. We don't have this, you know, tidy in a box. Um, but we, we really believe passionately that God has led us to this point. We'd, we'd love to see that happen. So that, that's where one last thing, that's where, um, when Kevin Izell from the North American Mission Board, came to Ames just to see what was going on. Basically, his his conclusion was, we don't want to mess with what you're doing. We just want to help you and and all these cooperating churches throughout the Southern Baptist. I think they'd like to see these kind of things happen more and more. And so uh, stepped in to help resource a very uh, resource-dependent kind of ministry. Right? We're going to university places where students don't pay the bills very well. So it's a tough it's a tough journey that we're on, but uh, very grateful for Southern Baptist are helping us pull so it off. So when you talk about the network that is developing, what are some other uh, locations yeah. where where you all are are hoping to see these churches established? Yep, so uh so we're at Iowa State. We just kicked off last night our kickoff for our student group. The Salt Company was on Central Campus there, close to Central Campus. They had like 2,300 university students show up last night. So outdoors. So that represents over 6% of the population of Iowa State University. Wow. So that's that's influence, right? Now now you're an influence. The same thing, though, happened at the University of Iowa with Salt Company. The University of Northern Iowa, I think they had like 600 or something at each of their kickoffs last night. Um, we're at Drake University. Um, like, like I say, we're going to be, we're launching this fall at Penn State, uh, the University of Minnesota. We're going to be going to Lawrence. We're going to be going to Madison. We're going to be going to more and more places. Sorry, University of Missouri, Columbia. I can't forget about those guys. Um, so yeah, we're, we're looking to those next places. My, my heart and passion would be for us to focus first in the Midwest and then head Northeast. Mm-hmm. The lostness yeah. of the university campuses, uh, in places, even like Boston, where there's like a quarter of a million university students in right. a city like Boston, uh, and churches there, uh, who reach out to university students, but few churches who are there for the purpose of reaching those university students. So, so the Midwest, we feel like has a lot of lostness, a lot of abandoned universities and the Northeast. So the Salt Network's kind of heading in that way. That's great. That's a, 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 a work I'm, I'm excited to hear about today. I think some of our listeners probably are as well. Thank you so much for sitting down with us, giving us a few minutes of your time. And um, we will be praying for you and for you. Uh, Cornerstone and for the work there in the Midwest and the Northeast. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Jeff Dodge. That was a great conversation. One of the ones we got to have in person. And I loved that. Uh, It it was wonderful just learning about something I didn't even know was going on. Yeah. So that model up there, I know we had Brian Fry on in the podcast in the past 
they're doing a very similar model over in at Ohio State and you know the that area uh, kind of the eastern Midwest, I guess you could say. And Jeff Dodge and those guys are really, you know, they're they're hammering that western side, but they're also kind of creeping over into the eastern side with uh, the the Penn State launch, as well as uh, they're going into Michigan and things like that. So there's a lot of great things happening in college church planning and college uh, ministry across, uh, you know, that northern Midwest, the, the areas that we don't really think about in the SPC, uh, you know, as being like SPC hotbeds. But those guys are killing it on college campuses up there. And I know some places are t- starting to take note. Uh, City Church down in Florida uh, at the uh, is uh, starting to use that model at Florida State. So uh, it, it's just um, it's it's really really neat to see how uh, how the SBC is uh, kind of reshaping college ministry across the U.S. Excellent. All right, that's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right, so we're going to go to 1977. Um, and it was actually uh, an obituary that I saw in Baptist Press. Oh, way uh, to bring the, the podcast down, Amy. Gee. I know, I know. So it actually came from the, the next, uh, from the October 10th issue um, of Baptist Press, and it was an obituary for William Burke, who uh, had died on October 5th. He was 73. He was a retired uh, staff member at the Home Mission Board, which now we know uh, as NAM, but it was called the Home Mission Board at that time. And his, this is what caught my eye. Uh, the headline said, Interfaith Witness Pioneer Dies in Pennsylvania. Um, it said, Retired Southern Baptist Home Mission Board staff member and former Roman Catholic priest. Oh, wow. And when I read that sentence, I thought, okay, I'm going to have to uh, learn a little bit more about this. So, um, William Burke had uh, had served at the Home Mission Board from 1954 until he retired in 1969. So first he was a field worker, and then he was the assistant department secretary. And it was the department of work related to non-evangelicals. Um, so interfaith witness was kind of the, uh, I think, the term that it, it became. Um, he had directed the Evangelical Information Center in Covington, Kentucky before that and had served in, in several Catholic churches. So he had been a Catholic priest. And this paragraph is just very interesting to me. It says, Burke parted with the Roman Catholic Church after deciding his beliefs no longer con- coincided with, Catho- with Catholicism. After study of the New Testament and prayer, he wrote down a list of things he believed and decided that if he ever found a religious group which believed as he did, he would join it. One day he found a pamphlet explaining what Baptists believe and discovered it was almost identical with the list he had made. Wow, that's kind of neat. Yeah, I, I thought that was just really fascinating. So he uh, he was baptized. He becomes a member of an, a Baptist church nearby, and then he was ordained to the ministry in 1953. Um, and then he he turns around and he's kind of a he's a field worker. So what what he did um, essentially he he was talked about by uh, Billy Mitchell, who was on staff at the Home Mission Board and had worked with him. He said he was an early pioneer in opening doors with Roman Catholics and in our understanding of their beliefs. So basically, you just have this man who's a former priest. He leaves, breaks with the Catholic Church, writes down what he believes. And and you hear stories about that in like early days of Baptist history where people, you know, it's like... uh, 
it's like the the missionaries that got sent out by congregationalists and then they're reading uh, to uh, to prepare um, as they're going over and they come to a conclusion um, particularly in, in a lot of those cases with their their view on baptism and uh, so then all of a sudden they say okay well here's what I believe now I need to align myself with a, a group that's essentially what he did he he breaks he he says this is what I believe and then he just it doesn't even know where to go and he finds something um, and, and that's how he became a Baptist, but then turned around because he knew and understood he had uh, gone to St. Bonaventure's College and Seminary in New York. He had served as a priest. Um, he knew and understood uh, Roman Catholicism well and obviously turned around and used that in ministry uh, to make those connections. So uh, just very interesting. This is one of those people, you know, we have to remember, we talk a lot about um, SBC presidents through the years, entity heads through the years, names that that come to our mind much more quickly. But there were countless uh, staff members in our entities, particularly at our mission boards, who uh, did a lot of great work, laid groundwork for where we are today. And uh, one of them uh, died uh, this week in SBC history. All right. Very cool, Amy. Thank you for that. And that's going to move us on to our resources of the week. My resource of the week is a new podcast by me and Dr. Rayner. Uh, it's revitalizing. Can we do that? Can we can we share our own resources? Well, I am. So. Oh, okay, you know, great. Because it's a partnership Everyone with check Nam. It out. It's a Lifeway and Nam thing. So that works. It's in partnership with them. Revitalize and replant with Tom Rayner. So I'm hosting that as well. So that makes my third podcast hosting duties. So I do a lot of podcast hosting and editing uh, these days. So turning into yeah. almost a full time podcaster. It's it's fun, but you know that's it's kind of different. So, uh, yeah, neat. It just uh, started on October the 5th, yesterday. If you're listening to this today, the, uh, the podcast here at SBC This Week drops. It just started yesterday. Mark Clifton from the North American Mission Board will be joining us on about half the episodes every year because we're talking about replanting, and he is the replanting guru at the North American Mission Board. And uh, so check that out over at TomRainer.com. You can find it in all the, uh, the podcast uh, databases and hosting areas online, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever. Uh, you can find Revitalize and Replant with Tom Rainer. So I'm excited about that one, Amy. Very cool. And your resource of the week is? All right. So this is where, you know, I wear a lot of hats and, and uh, I don't always share some of the... I've never seen you the... in a hat. Oh, I actually love real hats, but I, I did mean that uh, Actually, I think I have seen you in a hat once. Figuratively, but, anyway. but I, I do I do like hats, um, mainly ball caps. But anyway... But it's been a while since I've shared uh, any of the resources that I love having to do with my life here in my home. Um, and a new book has just come out this week. I got it. It was on my porch the day it released. It's called The Life-Giving Table, Nurturing Faith Through Feasting One Meal at a Time. Um, one of my favorite authors, Sally Clarkson. I think I have shared some resources from her on here before. And actually, the conference I'm headed to, I'm going to be in a breakout session that she's doing tomorrow on this very topic. So... Um, just really talking about, uh, she's done a, a book on the life-giving home um, that deals with issues of, of ministering to your family and also hospitality. This one really centers around um, how meals play into that. So uh, very, very excited um, to dig into that one. All right. Well, uh, yeah, whenever you were saying, the, whenever you mentioned the title, I was thinking, oh, that sounds like a lot like the conference you're going to. And sure enough, how about that? So. That works out well. All right. Well, Amy, that sounds like a fascinating book. Um, I may have to check that one out. So 
All right. Well, Amy, we're getting into the the middle of October, which is always the best time of the year because it's my birthday. Um, and also, sure. also seminary trustee meetings should be kicking off in the next week or two. So we'll keep an eye peeled for those. I know those yeah. uh, those come around that middle of October time. So we'll keep an eye out for those as well as other state conventions. So uh, if you're headed to your state convention and something goes on at your state convention or, you know, big news or something like that, send it to us. Let us know what's going on out there in the States. Tweet us on Twitter at SBC This Week or hit us up on Facebook. Uh, we appreciate all the tips and all the information that we get from our listeners. Jonathan, are you going to any state conventions I this am. year? I am. I'm going to be in West Virginia. Country roads take Excellent. me home. Nice. Back to where I belong. Yeah. Will you be at the one in Tennessee? I don't believe I will. It's in Hendersonville this year. Um, ah. So I may I may go up to it. I, I, I've just got to figure out the timing and everything. So we'll right. see. Same, same here. Well, I'll definitely be at the North Carolina one. We were just talking about it last night. Uh, ours is always in Greensboro. And so it's a, it's a constant. We have to try to figure out, can we get there both days? Do we need to be there at different times? Two cars, uh, all that stuff. So I don't know when I will be there um, or how long. Um, but I will definitely be in Greensboro. Yeah, I, I may try to make it up there. It just depends on what's going on and, and where I am and, and all that. So I'll I'll try. First Baptist Hendersonville is hosting this year. It's right down the road, so it shouldn't yep. be that hard to get up there, but things happen. So it's the same week that we're moving into the new building at Lifeway. So we'll see. Oh, yeah, that's going to be busy. Yep, so should be fun. Can't wait. We're uh, just a few weeks away, so November the 13th. So just a little over a month. So close, 40 days-ish. All right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week on SBC This Week. Uh, if you have any information or if anything breaks, be sure to catch us on Twitter at SBC This Week or on Facebook, uh, SBC This Week. And uh, if anything big happens, we'll put a story up on SBCThisWeek.com. So, so I'm going to get back to vacation. Amy's about to take off for Nashville, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>